This is Coda Radio, episode 116 for August 25th, 2014. And welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, established on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Salam and good afternoon, Chris. I was going for Aladdin there in honor of Robin Williams. Oh, Please yeah. Do not rape my house on land security. <laughs> it's not funny. And frankly, I don't know why you guys were pink tutus last time. I know. Just... I know. It was it was very frustrating. And it was a learning experience for all of us, I think. I think well, it... I think it was like, you know, with all the stuff that goes on now with police actions and getting tweeted and viral campaigns. Wow. They want us to know if I had the balls right. to take a photo of myself being pinned down by a cop wearing a tutu. And all we asked for was the ice bucket challenge. I don't understand. I did the ice bucket challenge. And then my videographer, the lovely uh, at Larbucks, <laughs> failed to record the video. No. Now she had been, let's just say, uh, nagging mm. for a week for me to do the challenge so you're telling me, you're telling me, no lying, you took the ice bucket challenge and then didn't record it? She forgot. She she hit on her iPhone 5C because, of course, it's an Apple product. Mm, right. um, she must have hit photo, not video. So there's just one picture of me, like, waving awkwardly. Well, um, you know what you have done is you have single-handedly, um, like, short-circuited the whole narcissist aspect of the Ice Bucket Challenge. You've taken the Ice Bucket Challenge, but then have not demanded that everybody give you kudos on social so, networking. So that's why I resisted taking it for a week. I was like, why don't I just go donate 100 bucks? So know what she did? Let me donate the 100 bucks. And I was like, yeah, here's the bucket of ice anyway. She just wanted to throw ice at me, Chris. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I feel like uh, my uh, wife and I have had a similar conversation, Mr. Dominic. Because <laughs> I did the ice bucket, and then she got a glass of water and threw another one at me. <laughs> it was... Uh, huh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't quite get how that works. But, you know, I think uh, it's just, it's you know, ladies, right? Yeah, la- ladies, uh, ladies be ladies. You know what we should have done? Uh, first of all... Uh, we should have set up ahead. Of, we should have set up a front uh, before we go any further. I meant to mention at the top of the show. Uh, we're gonna re- we're gonna move the recording slot just for next week because of Labor Day. So Coda Radio will be noon on Tuesday before Linux Unplugged. So join us on Tuesday live. You know, and then here's the other thing I was thinking. We had that TypeScript episode. Talked a lot about JavaScript and all of that. <clears throat> that would have made today's episode would have made for a great call-in episode because a lot we got a lot of opinions and a lot of people thinking yeah you know maybe next week will be a call-in how about that well we should throw them we need to i don't know i feel like we did a good job because we like set up a great topic that and then like the next episode after you set up a great topic would be a great topic to have the calls but i don't know like this episode i've got some good stuff but i don't think it's going to elicit quite the same amount of responses not to say this episode is going to suck 
So Linux is for immature children who have never uh, seen a woman <laughs> or don't leave their basements and live with their moms. All right, we got to call an episode. Yeah, Let's boom. Okay. All right, good. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. All right, so uh, our first email today comes in from Tony about uh, our TypeScript discuss- discussion. We got a few of these, and I, I liked Tony's quite a bit. He says, uh, hi, Chris and Mike. I'm writing to let you know I'll be shipping a TypeScript application into production tomorrow as of writing this email. I use TypeScript on a small new module within a larger project, and I have to say my overall experience was very positive. First, I want to address the sentiment about TypeScript is for C-sharp programmers who don't want to learn JavaScript. I have coded more hours of JavaScript than any other language. Uh, C-sharp is a close second. I understand JavaScript, and I understand that it's terrible. Frameworks such as Backbone, Knockout, etc. definitely provide a much-needed structure, but they don't address the fact that JavaScript is crap. TypeScript brings classes, interfaces, lambda expressions, and static typing to a language that can quickly become a readability nightmare. My single biggest takeaway from using TypeScript over the course of three full work weeks is that my code is readable and understandable. Going into my 11th year as a professional as a software developer, I have come to value reliable code over almost all other considerations. TypeScript, I'm sorry, readable code over all other considerations. TypeScript is readable. That counts for a lot with me. Thanks for the great show, Tony. Al, he says, uh, he says you can stop here, but he wanted to address a separate point. We'll let him go because that's such a great email. Mike, uh, you also made light of Microsoft's emphasis on tooling. I was a PHP developer for years. I coded with Gedit, Vim, PHP Storm, and Eclipse. Nothing I have ever used compared with the visibility and refactoring capabilities provided by Visual Studio. TypeScript allows me to use a large portion of the Visual Studio's incredible functionality on a well on well-structured JavaScript. Don't us- underestimate the value in that. Do you feel like you underestimated the value in uh, Visual Studio last week? So, I definitely have been doing a little more Visual Studio than I used to as, you know, we've kind of been hinting at it for almost a month and a half, two months now. It's certainly a better IT than the clips. I I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not a huge heavy ID kind of guy, though I say that, and I spend almost all my time in huge heavy IDs. Mm. So maybe. I mean, maybe I'm just too noobish at Visual Studio to really appreciate it. Because right now, to me, it's just a pain in the ass to like change my color scheme. Well, and the other thing, too, is he, you know, uh, I, I, I think Visual Studio has been really good for a really long time. And it's been yeah. really good for a really long time for a lot longer than anything else has, right? And so I think there's also some of that to it. Like some folks that have been using it for a really long time recognize that uh, that it was sort of it's sort of been there for so long. Does that make sense? Like because of the history of it. Is, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't like Xcode. I used to not love Xcode. It's it's gotten better recently. Uh, the thing with it is, like, I know all my keyboard shortcuts in Xcode. I know how to do a lot of things very fast in Xcode. And it, maybe there's an argument to be made that if I had used Visual Studio as long as I had been using Xcode, I would, you know, like it more. Uh, the one, I, still, the one complaint that I would have for Tony is there is just a lot of stuff in Visual Studio. Mm, yes. And maybe again, maybe it's because I was coming from Xcode, which traditionally is a much lighter IDE. <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, I hate Eclipse too, right? Yeah. So it's it's not inconsistent for me to <laughs> shy away from maybe more. We won't say fat; we'll say full featured. Um, I don't know. Having said that, I mean, you know, I'm loving some of the refactoring stuff because I'm doing some of this Xamarin in Visual Studio. I'm doing some other things in Visual Studio too. Mm. Certainly, the refactoring tools are mm. incredibly powerful. Um, but it, it, I mean, it, it's a beefcake. Like, it's not a light IDE at all. 
And I, if I were on a lower powered system, I'm not sure how it would hold up. Hmm. Well, but who's? Come on. Come on. Yeah. I mean, come on. What are you on a Chromebook? I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, actually, have you seen that HP is going to be selling like a $200 Windows PC in uh, the holiday season? Because that's what Windows PCs need. Netbook's or, back, or baby. Minecraft. Netbook is back. Netbook yeah, never that, really that, left. That's, it. that's that's not good for anybody. Uh, but to his first point, all right. So code readability. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I would ask you, Tony, since you're using TypeScript a lot, is there ever a case where you have to go in and actually debug the generated JavaScript? If there hasn't been and you're using it consistently, then that's that's really impressive. Um, because my dalliance into CoffeeScript for a while there, you almost anything non-trivial, I had to go in and, and write right. the generated code. Right. So at that point, it just wasn't worth it. Yeah. I agree that JavaScript is a terrible language. <laughs> so well, all right. I'm so uh, sorry, it's your primary language. That brings us to Alesh's email, uh, with, uh, and he wants to write in about all this JavaScript. Hey, he says the hate is strong with this one. I find myself once again defending a technology on your show. I hope this doesn't become a thing. A year ago, I was dragged kicking and screaming into the world of server-side JavaScript by a client who insisted on using Node.js for a project. The result of which is that I am now a totally in love with jo- I am now totally in love with JavaScript and regret not having taken a more serious look at it earlier. Here's why: Number one, I can use a single language all the way down the stack, even down to the database, if I use MongoDB. Number two, something that gets overlooked but which I think makes a very strong case for JavaScript, is JSON and how integrated it is into the language. Don't get me wrong, JavaScript has its warts, but you learn to deal with them despite Michael's assertion that no one wants to use JavaScript. It's become my go-to language. TypeScript and the others of its ilk may bring something worthwhile to the table, but they can only be a stopgap measure. I think we have to look at things like ES6, ES6 for an answer to how to improve things. So he says, yeah, Mike, it's got a few warts, but so does Objective-C, so does C-sharp. Yeah, okay. I mean, come but, on. But you can before, use it down the whole before, stack, okay. Mike, the Wait whole stack. Before it was, let's look at, you know, ECMA 6, it was, oh, we're going to look at ECMA 5, and that will be <laughs> okay. Um, so I don't think I've ever said that nobody wants to use JavaScript. I think I... I think I've said that lots of or a non-insignificant percentage of web developers out there are trying to avoid using JavaScript, right? And that might be the same thing, but it's a subtle thing. Certainly, most of my front-end web development stuff is JavaScript. Um, the other thing is you're using Node, so your opinion is... Uh... Uh-oh. Oh, God, um, I'm sorry. He's uh... a no. jackass. <laughs> Inappropriate? <laughs> Uh, so, all right. So the question I would I would put to all, yeah. all of these JavaScript sure we got yeah yeah is you know because we got people who hate JavaScript want to crucify it we got people who defend it I think the issue isn't the language it's it's got to be the DOM right at the end of the day it's just the target platform which let's simplify it just say you're targeting the DOM that's the platform is just crappy and old right yes I mean imagine if we just had I'm going to go a little .NET on you here, so let's all put our panties in a bunch. Bring it, brother. Bring it. Like some sort of like development environment for the web where you could do like XAML-style layouts. And if you guys don't know what XAML is, it's um, not exactly graphical layout. It's visual design language layout-style stuff. So you can do like data binding, which I still think is scary. and uh, But relative layout, stuff like that, pretty easily, much better than strings and struts or uh, any of the crazy shit we used to do in Java. 
you know, and, and actually have it be powered by a real programming language, or maybe not real, but a more traditional classical programming language like C Sharp or, you know, something Java, C++, whatever, right? Wouldn't that be better? I mean, that's obviously never going to happen because there's a lot of technical reasons. One is that that would basically lock down the web and make it less open. But wouldn't, you know, JavaScript as a language, it doesn't have to be crappy. But it does have to be, it, it has it, to it target a does, really, sh- it almost does well, because, because the amount of change required now, the amount of adoption required for any kind of dramatic change, I think isn't going to happen. It's just not realistic. So what I would what I would challenge is: Has the language changed, or did it half, or did the DOM change? Right. That that's the thing. Hmm. Is the language just playing catch up with the DOM? And now that people are writing a lot of JavaScript, certainly more than they ever wrote before, are we now worried about developer quality of life? Where before it was just surviving. Right. right. Yeah. Just, yeah. It was just keeping pace with you know. Son of a bitch! IE seven came out. Yeah, right. You know, right, we right. we have to do something about this. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> no getting away from that one. Hmm. Well, this is something that I'd like to get more feedback on. I think because yeah. I think we touched a nerve on this. Let's see if we get the, again. So we re- those are our two emails on the subject. But I feel like there's a lot more here. So in, if we do a call in episode on Tuesday, which we'll have an open mumble room. You can join us at the live stream, and then it's just instructions. So go install Mumble before the show, because the reason we do that is we have a system where we can have call queues. We can also have mic checks, and so it, it works better than just, like, you calling in over Skype because there's no screening or anything there. And we're not screening necessarily for content, but we're screening so that way somebody doesn't get on with horrible audio. So grab a headset, grab Mumble, join us next Tuesday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, jblive.tv, and uh, let us know your thoughts on the topic. In your own voice. So uh, Nicholas wrote in. Nicholas has written into the show before. So this is an update coming in. He says, hey, Chris and Mike, I wrote in and had my email read on air about burnout on topic, uh, the burnout talk about four to five weeks ago. I had mentioned that I decided to follow platforms and not specific languages. I also mentioned I was working on a game in HTML5 and JavaScript. Well, here is my first game, and he would love some feedback. Please be patient with load time because he's using a free Heroku dino. Um. The website, if you'd like to visit, is www.dvorak.sexy. Let's all crash this dino right now. And uh, so I think this is a game to teach you how to, pl- how to type in uh, the Dvorak keyboard. So you put your fingers on ASDF, right. and, then yeah. I, uh, and then I have no idea what you're supposed to do after this. Because then it's like it tells you uh, oh, A. I, I, you know, did, did this go into the subreddit? I think I saw Yes, this yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, isn't yeah, this neat, though? I mean, this is a really cool... So this is space. Ah, okay. Oh, I see. All right. So I'm I'm horrible. I already already I already suck at Dvorak, but it's really neat. So Nicholas, thanks for sending that in, and uh, we'll have a link in the show notes if you guys would like to check out Nicholas's HTML5 slash JavaScript Dvorak teaching tutorial. <laughs> Dvorak dot <Right>. sexy. <laughs> I hate Dvorak. It's the devil. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But some people really love it. I don't. Some are really wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I know QWERTY was designed to slow down the uh, typewriter, but you know what? Sometimes there are nice things that are sometimes a little imperfection's nice. Just saying. We're yeah. not all a bunch of androids up in here. I all mean, right. some of us use iOS like Chris. Uh what? Mm. 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 Actually, hold on there, sir. I you, you, hold on. I I feel like you know how like some guys have like all the acronyms of all their certifications in their email signature. I oh, want God. that for the OSs that I run on mobile devices right now cuz check this out. So Rikai just hooked me up with uh uh, you know, do you know what multi-ROM is? 
Does that ring a bell at all? Not at all, actually. So multi-ROM gives you essentially a bootloader uh, for for an Android device. In this case, my Nexus 5. And so when my Nexus 5 turns on, I get to choose from standard current Android, Android L, Ubuntu Touch, Sailfish OS, um, and uh, uh, what else did he put on there? He put something else on there that I'm drawing a blank on right now. And so right now I'm in Sailfish OS. And I tell you what, Sailfish OS is pretty smooth. It is actually quite smooth. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of impressed by it. So, yes, I do have an iOS 8 device. That is true. I also have an Android L device, an Ubuntu Touch device, do and a Sailfish OS device. Do you have a Nokia 635? No Nokias at all anymore. Oh. I was really excited when they started doing an Android phone. I'd be all up in that. Oh, Firefox OS. Thank you, Rika. I don't know how I drew a blank on that. Yeah, Firefox OS. This is really cool. It's really it's it's the neatest thing ever. It's really slick. So multi-ROM, it's so awesome. All right, uh, I just Les wrote in with a quick. This might just be a, a simple no from you, Mike. But uh, just to pick your brain, I, I uh, he says hi, Chris and Mike. Thanks for all the work you do on the show. I really enjoy the insights in the world of software development. He even bought a T-shirt. After the discussion on the Sumerian stuff, I wondered if Mike has any experience with Codename One Project. On the surface, it strikes me like they're trying to achieve a similar goal as Sumerian with Java as their language of choice. So it's Codename One Project. Have you heard of this? Not at all, but let's take a fast look. That's what I was thinking. Let's do a little live Googling because I hadn't heard of this either. Codename Reinventing Mobile Development, they say. One code, all devices, any IDE. Whoa. Okay, hang on, though. I've heard this story from Java people before. Open source. Easily create native apps using Java for iOS, Android, Windows, RIM, and more. Codename Project, Codename One Project, powers more than 40,000. Does that say 40 million devices, actually? Holy crap. Hmm. So, and it's, uh, okay, so I'm going to, just free download. I'm going to give it a go. Okay, so you can install it into NetBeans, Eclipse, IntelliJ. So it goes into your existing IDE. I, I'm getting it. I'm seeing what they're putting down. They got a server side. Oh, here's. let's go to pricing. Let's see what this is. Pricing, pricing. Uh, all right, so they have a free version, which is a little limited, but it gets you community support, um, unlimited development, and royalty-free. If you go to Pro for $80 um, a month, then you get uh, cloud building support, versioning, live previews, you get tech support, native desktop apps. Hmm. But if you want so if you want phone support, you got to pay three ninety nine a month or fourteen thousand dollars annually. So it's interesting though. I mean, there seems like there's a few options there. So it's codename one, codename one dot com. If you guys want to check it out. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it's good to have more tooling. I, I've to be honest, I've never heard of this before, so I wouldn't be able to give an opinion. Before we get to our last email, which is a great one, uh, I want to tell you about our first sponsor this week, and that is DigitalOcean. Go over to DigitalOcean.com right now and get this promo code ready. Arm yourself with the knowledge of Coder August. All one word, lowercase. That's going to get you a $10 credit at DigitalOcean. And you will not believe what you're going to get for $10. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting they're really one of, I think, the best in the industry, and they're dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server, and that is really, really an understatement. It's amazing. Just today, I have seen testimonials from customers of DigitalOcean about how incredible that spin-up process is, and they say that you'll probably be able to create a cloud server in about 55 seconds. I got a report today that somebody created one in 26 seconds. It's amazing the technology that DigitalOcean is rocking now. And there's a reason for that. They have amazing hardware. Pricing plans start at only $5 per month. And for that, you'll get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one blazing fast CPU, 
and a terabyte of transfer connected to Tier 1 bandwidth. DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, in San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and even a brand new one in London. Their interface is amazingly simple and intuitive. And power users can replicate that control panel on a much, much larger scale with DigitalOcean's straightforward API. If you're on the Mac, if you're on Ubuntu, and I haven't checked other platforms, there are already community apps available that allow you to manage your DigitalOcean droplet right from your menu bar. Incredible. Your own cloud server that you can scale up, backup, pause, duplicate, move around the world, secure, on-demand, one-click deploy applications to, and you can go right up to your system tray and control it. Isn't this amazing what they've built here? All on top of SSDs, so that way you know your I.O. is going to be the level of something you used to have to have a huge RAID array attached to. And if you're back from the good old days like Mike and I, where you had to go co-locate a server, and first you'd put a huge server in the rack, and then if you needed that disk, and you needed that storage, and you needed it to be fast, you'd then have to pay for the physical space and equipment that that storage array needed. And then you'd have to attach that to your server box and set it all up. That's all gone now. SSDs have truly revolutionized cloud hosting. And DigitalOcean is utilizing all of that with their incredible interface, great technology like Linux and KVM and Docker and Doku, all incredible stuff that make it all possible. And you can use the promo code CODERAUGUST when you check out to get a $10 credit. And you can try out that $5 droplet for two months. Go try it out. Set up own cloud. Set up GitLab. Set up a wiki to do your documentation. Anything. You need a blog. Don't host it somewhere else. Run it yourself. They have one-click deployments for WordPress. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERAUGUST when you check out. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. CODERAUGUST when you check out. So we got an email into the show. Uh, from. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't uh, actually listen to the show, but Egon wrote in. And uh, Egon says, Dear Mike and Chris, Two episodes ago, you discussed podcast acceleration software. That is, able to speed up shows by removing silence. Well, we were talking about Overcast by uh, Marco Armit. He says, as a passionate non-listener to your show, I wanted to say this. There is more information in your show in the bits and bytes than just the bits and the bytes. Whenever Mike needs a few or maybe even more seconds to start to give an answer, the tension and expectations start to build. Why is he struggling for words? Will he bash PHP? Will he promote products from the company with a bitten fruit logo? These moments add texture and mood to a podcast. If I was still listening, I definitely wouldn't want to miss the silence. Keep up the presumably good work, Egon. <laughs> oh, God, now we've got him playing along with it. <laughs> great feedback from somebody that doesn't even listen to the show, which is great. And, you know, he's right, too. And his, his email made me think about it. And I've I've adjusted uh, my playback settings. So on like just straight up news information shows, that's really just info, 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 info. That I'm still listening on more accelerated playback. But on the more relaxed talk show styles, I've turned all I've turned it all off. So it's funny. I actually tried the opposite. So I tried doing some of that smart speed stuff. Um, it makes like Sunday like Meet the Press and you know Fox News Sunday and all of those type of shows, which I do get on podcast form seem very, very hostile, like more hostile than they already are. Yes. Because there's, you know, sometimes, like, I'm sure you've all heard Meet the Press, right? They have the Democrat senator mm-hmm. and the Republican senator, and they sit there and basically tell each other how much they suck, and then shake hands at the end. But they have little, like, etiquette things that they do when they're about to bash each other to kind of soften the blow and, and kind of be, you know, gentlemanly about it. When you speed it up, 
these guys are just jerks. <laughs> like they're just yeah. like it's interesting so that mean you, to each other. It's interesting you say that because I also had uh, the experience where I thought, man. These guys are really funny today. They are really, really on it. Like, they are not missing a beat. And then I realized it's because I was taking out all the pauses. So it just seemed like it was funny after funny after funny after funny. Right. And it wasn't, they weren't quite, I mean, they were doing a really good job, but they weren't quite playing off each other as well as it seems. So it does, it does alter your perception of it. And I think for maybe just a straight up news show where it's just somebody talking and it's kind of monotone, it's maybe not so bad. But for the conversation, I think I—I uh, I, I mean, I—it's too bad he's not listening because I, I would say Egon's got it here, but he won't. No, I think I think Egon's right, but his wisdom will of course be unrecognized. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and so now I'm using it sparingly, but I still like it. I still like it from time to time. Uh, all right, Mr. Dominic. So I had a I had kind of a topic that plays off an email we just uh, we, we that we got from uh, who was it. Uh, there's actually several people, I suppose. It's probably not fair to prescribe it to one person. But the topic of burnout from time to time comes up. And I don't necessarily want to talk about burnout with you. But uh, you found an article this weekend. Uh, I think it was this weekend that you tweeted about it. I can't actually remember when you tweeted it. But by Jane Porter that talks about why the work-life balance is really just a big load of crap. Almost like a collective lie that we all we all either tell ourselves or we tell people that work for us. So that way we can exploit them. Shut up. I know, I know. Well, yeah. So make sure none of your employees are listening from this point forward, okay? Well, you already banned one from the chat, so that's, <laughs> that's an improvement. Well, that's uh, really, you know, that is how we work around here. Is uh, no, no, no posse. There's no wolf packs. You gotta out of here. If I find you enough about IRC to ban people, I would do it. <laughs> uh, so this um, this particular topic has come home to roost for me recently. And it's something that I've been as the as summer is coming to an end. My son is about to start uh, kindergarten uh, next week. It's his first day of school, and we're sort of you know just sort of reevaluating how much I work versus how much I'm at home. And I I feel like I'm particularly reeling from some of the things they talk about in this article. And I think it's almost dead on in a few spots. There's a couple of spots that I disagree with, um, and wanted to get into that with you. Are you good talking about that? For will you will you indulge me for a few? I will indulge the crap out of you. All right. Before we get to that, I'll thank Linux Academy, and then we'll get off to the races. So go over to linuxacademy.com right now slash coders, please. Go there and check them out. I really think this is a great service that you guys should visit. And going to linuxacademy.com slash coders is a great way to learn more about them. And you can take advantage of a great discount. You can get 20% off, $20 per month for Linux Academy. That's an amazing deal right there. And it also lets them know that you appreciate them sponsoring the Coda Radio program. So Linux Academy is a really, really cool opportunity for you to take your skill sets up to the next level in your own home, at your own pace, with your own time constraints, in your own dynamic situation. So for me, for example, one of the things I like about Linux Academy is I've grabbed some of the offline guides. I was sort of inspired by listener Seth, who says, Chris, I've been listening to some of the Linux Academy uh, downloadable content in the shower. And I thought... Well, geez, you're basically podcasting at that point. So I was like, why don't I put it on the podcast player? So there's a lot of ways you can consume some of the content and then sit back down at your computer and use DigitalOcean. Use Linux Academy's incredible tools. Linux Academy right here has this great... Right, you Stop right there. Oh, stop, stop. You see this right here. It's kind of a small screenshot, but this is a great snapshot that they provide when you log in to see exactly where your progress is in different courses. And there's this area right here that'll tell you how long it's going to take you to start the next phase. 
This is great for planning. doesn't matter if you have a little bit of time or a lot of time. There's going to be something you can do. They have step-by-step video courses with downloadable comprehensive study guides, PDF, video, audio. It also comes with your own server. So if the courseware gets to a point where you need to do something on a physical server, they'll spin that up in the background. It's all part of the courseware, including even AWS services if it's an AWS course you're taking, which they have a bunch of. They have seven-plus Linux distributions you can choose from. They'll automatically adjust the courseware to match that distribution, which is awesome. You can tell these guys are Linux enthusiasts. That's what's really cool about this. You get to keep track of your project. Linux Academy allows you to keep track of your progress and pick right where you've left off, which is awesome for me because I get so far, I stop, I come right back in. I don't feel like I've left out anything. I can always go back and uh, retrace myself or retest myself at any point. They have a good support community too. So if you get stuck, if you get frustrated, you need a little motivation or you want to share your wins, there's a great place to do that. It works really well, and it kind of creates sort of this support community you can rely on. And go check out their AWS labs. They're expanding those like crazy, as well as OpenStack. I just read a story today on Tech Talk Today that OpenStack has been voted the number one cloud technology in open source for 2014, and they have a ton of content on OpenStack. And you can get up to date on it right now. You need to do some development on a Linux box? You got something for a LAMP stack? Curious about Android development? All of it's over at linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Get that great discount and let them know you appreciate them keeping Coder Radio on the air. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Those guys really rock. I talk with them from time to time about just what they're working on. And I'm just so constantly impressed. I could, almost, I could have almost seen myself wanting to go for the same thing in an alternate universe. I really love the whole combining the passion for Linux, the passion for development, the passion for education, and then they all came together and created Linux Academy. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. So I want to start with this article, and we'll have it linked in the show notes if you guys would like to read it in your own, at your own leisure in full. But it starts with juggling work and personal life is a circus act that we should uh, all do well to drop. Here are three alternatives way to deal with the madness. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. And what she sets up in this article is essentially we've all been sort of uh, sold this bill of lies about being able to strike a balance between life and work. Um, she compares it, you know, trying to juggle apples and oranges. It's nothing like that. Work, uh, she says, a work-life balance has the assumption that those two things are equal, that you can balance a certain amount on one side against a certain amount on the other side, like you could with apples and oranges. They go on to say, but your life is always going to be bigger than your work. They will never be equal. So trying to balance them is a guaranteed recipe for failure. Boom, right there. It seems so obvious when you say it out loud, but just that line right there. Your life will always be bigger than your work. Even if you're really into something important in the grand scheme of things, your life will always be bigger than your work. So just trying to find a balance when one of them is inherently larger, even if you're ignoring it right now, will never work. I thought that was kind of profound. You know, this this sounds like a whole lot of union rousing to me. Lay it on me. I don't know, like... So, you know, I'm susceptible to burnout myself, and, and, and I hear this work-life balance stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but it always comes down to some weird arbitrary system, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, you obviously have to have Saturday and Sunday off because it's Saturday and Sunday. Right, 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 yeah. Like, well, actually, throughout human history, that's not the case, right? That's a modern thing. Right, yes, yes, um, I agree. But I also don't believe that because it's Monday and it's 9 o'clock. I necessarily have to be working, right? 
I feel like especially if you're you know self-employed and you're not working for the man, so to speak, your work probably ebbs and flows in unusual ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that balance? Like, do you have to worry about you know in a let's say a hundred-hour period, can only fifty hours be work? And what happens if that's not the case? Do you just hard drop what you're doing and damn the consequences? So that's just exactly, which is impractical and leads, leads to another kind of unhappiness and, and unbalance. So uh, this is exactly my problem with the whole work-life balance thing, too, is it, it, it kind of is like, oh, it's a buzz term. It's a phrase we can just throw out there. So uh, I think that's kind of what she's driving at, though, is what you're saying, essentially. So here's, so here's, the, here's the thing. Is she says, what, what, could be, what could be a better term? Like, what could, how could we talk about this differently is maybe we could have, okay, these are three different options. And she's not saying either one of these is it, but one could be work-life boundaries, creating boundaries or rules. So this is kind of like a system like you're talking about where work can be done uh, uh, and you create a few safe places where you can go if you need to unplug. So there's sort of like boundaries where you never work in a certain area. There's also the work-life negotiation. This is another idea. Be okay with periods of concentration when other things in your life and let other things in your life slide because there's no way they won't. The trick is being able to negotiate the different parts of your life so they can take time when you need to give time to each, however long that might be. That sounds, I don't know, how do you, that, I don't even like that. It sounds impractical. It sounds, that's not even an answer. Body-mind balance. Now, here's actually, I think, the approach that I'm starting to fall into. Get your, uh, get your yoga mat out, okay, Mike? Uh, I'm doing it. Instead of trying to balance out your personal and professional life, focus on balance, balancing out your health and energy. We can't always control how much time we need to devote to our work and how much time our family and home life demand from us. But staying in tune with what your body might need at any given moment and acknowledging that will at least help you maintain better equilibrium in your health. All it takes is a little more awareness. And I find that's very true because it, um, I get worn down and tired and things seem much, like, you know, much more inconvenient or much more stressful. But if I can keep my energy level up, I feel like I'm able to sort of juggle all of the responsibilities a little bit better. Um, and that's, it's a hard thing because it's a cycle. You get really stressed out and overworked and you start to eat bad and you stay up late and then you become really tired. So then it's hard to be physically active and hard to eat right. But it's something you can kind of work on over time, get your energy levels up. But, you know, I've, I've recently been trying to personally reevaluate how much time in, in my life I dedicate to work versus family and I'm trying to sort of swing the pendulum back more towards family. Like so, so, for an example, this Wednesday is go to go to my son's new school and meet his teacher day before uh, school starts next week. And it's on a Wednesday. And normally Wednesdays, the entire day is devoted to preparing for Unfilter or Tech Talk Today, both. And so what I've elected to do this Wednesday is just not have those shows. I've just canceled the shows for one week. Um, I don't almost I almost never do that. But in this case, there's really nowhere else it can fit in because PAX is coming up this weekend, so I'll be out Friday down at PAX getting clips and footage there. So I can't really reshoot those episodes any other day. And in this case, I had to make the call that family going to see my son's school and being there with him was more important than those two shows to me. And it's not because I don't value those shows, but it's because sometimes family has to, you know, has to win in that argument. And you just have to – I think when you make those choices more often than not – Doing those things helps recover you from burnout, too, because it's sort of like feeding another aspect of your life and personality that sort of can re-energize you in a sense. And sometimes when you get too focused, those things get closed off, 
and they sort of fall off to the side a little bit, and you f- you don't even realize that perhaps there's not. Um, you don't even realize that perhaps you're ignoring something. I know I can get so focused that I won't even realize that I've sort of been withdrawing for a little bit. I'll have to sort of remind myself, okay, slow down a little bit, refocus on your priorities. And I think it's, I think avoiding burnout is a process of kind of figuring out what that buzz term of work-life balance actually means to you. If it's finding rules or if it's finding a safe space or if it's improving your sleep and energy. I think that's what that is. Work-life balance is unique to each person, and how you manage it is unique to each person. Um, but I, I, what I All wish right, I could so, walk away with from this experience is here's how you fix yourself. Here's how you right, solve yourself. The like there's tons of these articles that are like, oh, and go jog for 30 minutes, and then you can work 24 hours straight and be okay. Yeah, right, right. But at what point is it um, – so let me ask you, if you're a coder, right, you work, you're doing your wonderful work in Eclipse all day. Uh, you come home, you start doing some, you know, Python coding on Ubuntu. Now, is that work-life balance? Because you're now, you're effectively doing a very similar thing, right? Yeah, it's, I think it is, though. I don't know. It's, it's like, it's just, I think what makes a difference is it's something you have to do versus something you enjoy doing, maybe? I don't know. That's not true, either, though, because I enjoy my work. So, yeah, I don't know. It's actually, in some ways, it's almost worse when you enjoy your work. Right, because you get addicted to it. Yeah. And it's like it's harder to stop yourself. Whereas if you hate the work, you 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 burn out. Whereas sometimes if you don't hate the work, you don't burn out, which is almost the worst thing. <laughs> In some ways, so work life balance, everybody. Yeah, I this is something that I think we re, we retouch on every couple of months because I feel like it's something that can really affect the uh, office coders, the people I think who represent a, a large portion of our audience that go into a desk job and code for somebody else every day. And that seems like that would lead to a lot of burnout. Yeah, I think it can. I, I, I think it's hard for, um, you know, for, for people in the tech field to, because you, you, you got into it not because you needed a job, right? Like, mm. you know, most people go to school for accounting because what, well, accounting, how you'll get a job at a college making at least, you know, $50,000 yeah. a year. Yeah. Most people get into IT. That's not, you know, it's, they might do okay at a college, but it's, it's not the case that it was a practical, this is how I'm going to have a stable life decision. Especially those of you who are like Linux people, right? Yeah, we are a little extra crazy. Right. I mean, we're really, you know, we usually like, if we're us Linux guys, we'll set up Linux servers all day at work and then go home and set up a Gen 2 cluster. That's what I used to do all the time. I had like, yeah. I had like this crazy ass Gen 2 setup at home that I would go home with and tinker until late at night. And then I would wake up in the morning, go into work and work on Linux boxes. Uh, but I found that to be yeah. enjoyful. I enjoy. I I got enjoyment from it. It was you know. So I didn't really consider that to be burnout. I that's it. It's, it I don't know. It's it's something that I constantly have to reevaluate. I think. I would like to hear people's thoughts on that too. Yeah, I would definitely like to see like you know. Yeah. All right, Mr. Dominic. Uh, I oh oh I had a I had a little something to leave folks with. Um, oh just, God. Just uh just like further reading. I don't think we really need to dig through it in the show, but I have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, I, something as a you know as Linux users, we're following. Uh, there's two game engines right now that are have a lot of traction in Linux gaming, and of course the first one it's got traction everywhere. It's Unity, or, you know, Unity obviously. The other one is Unreal, right? And that Unreal has that right. new pricing structure, the way they're doing all that stuff. Well, so this developer documents about how two months ago he made the decision to throw out months of work on a I Unity. Read this one, yep, yeah. And he posts even some screenshots of the game in Unity and then now how it looks in Unreal. It's, 
I mean, it's, it's, it's unreal. Yeah, it is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and it's an interesting, like, you know, the, he talks about his fear of the sunk cost, which is a topic we've touched on before. Uh, the problems he had with Unity, even though he says it's a very capable tool and a lot of good games have been with it, uh, no one is happy making a respectable game in it on his team, and that was a drag on his whole team. Uh, well, you know, I stuff. think I think Unity has done a great job of carving out a niche for uh, you know hobbyist developers and small developers. But I am seeing a lot of this sort of things, like more. I, I, I feign to use this, but professional game developers are kind of shying away from it, right? It's like the, and I'm going to get some spam, some hate for this, but it's the the basic of game development tools right now. Oh. No, I said that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a professional game developer, um, so I would be in that hobbyist category if I were doing something. But I... it depends on the game, right? I mean, it looks like you know they they also talk about the the cons, but it looks like for them it was kind of an obvious boon. Like, yeah, it would just make sense to switch. And I've downloaded some of the Unreal Engine uh, demos of some of the stuff that that you get. This is really cool stuff. I mean, it is very impressive. So this is a good long write-up with lots of great visuals and pictures. Um, and uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes if you guys want to read through it. And if you have any thoughts, join us next Tuesday, won't you, for a call-in episode. Remember, we're doing it on a Tuesday at noon uh, Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern over at JBLive.tv. Have a great Labor Day, everyone, uh, that celebrates, which would be, I guess, only a percentage of you. But either way, enjoy the day. If you don't celebrate it, don't forget you can email us Coda Radio at JupiterBroadcasting.com. You can go over to JupiterBroadcasting.com slash contact. You can also tweet at our faces. I'm Chris LAS on Twitter. Where can people find you, Mr. Dominic? At Jim Anuko. That's powerful. Any other Twitter accounts? At Fingertip Tech. Oh, yeah. There it is. That's the good one. There you go. And uh, CodaRadio.reddit.com, subreddit where you can get involved, participate, give us some discussion points, or uh, just ask a question to the community. And don't forget, we're normally live on Mondays. But next week, it's Tuesday. All right, everyone. Next week. See you right back here next Tuesday.